Welcome to Store Brand Comics, everybody. I'm Tio. And I'm Brandon. And we actually we have more important things for this podcast we should be focusing on, but you know what? My brain's hyper fixating on Dungeons and Dragons right now. We sh- we have we have an ongoing series that we really should be wrapping up here, but I can't concentrate on it. <laughs> Not for as long as D and D's in my brain. So Brandon and I were just talking about like different types of players. Um, and I was talking about how uh, uh, one of my play because most of my group right now, I'm their first DM. Like I'm like they were first time players when they yeah, did yeah. their first session with me. So um, we were just talking about how one of my players, I can tell she is very uh, I'm not I'm not going to be naming any names for the rest of the episode. Yeah, by yeah. The way. So if any of my friends are listening to this, you know who you are, but I'm not naming you outright. Um. <laughs> Uh, but one of my players, um, I can tell as a first-time player, she's very much um, pushing against the walls of the world to see how long it takes to break. And uh, like she, it's like she's trying to glitch out the game, it feels like, a lot of the time. Yeah, which that, that's a common, uh, a common thing for playing for the first time. And like, yeah. I, I'm slightly bad at this. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll push things here and there when I, I play D&D just because I'm like, eh, I just want to I just want to see. Like, yeah. like I, I, there's logic within this world, but I want to see how far. Yeah. And I think the mark of a good DM is how you handle a player like that. Like, I yeah. think I, I think I do surprise her with how, exactly how much I have considered. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now she finally did uh, push too hard one time and get the game to break a little bit though. Um, she, she finally reached a point where uh, I did just have to flat out tell her no. But it was only she, because... She glitched out of the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, but it was only because it was one little thing that would have been so, like, in the moment, just game-destroying that the rest of the group wouldn't have been able to have fun moving forward. I gotcha. It would have completely destroyed everything the other players were trying to do. For me, if nobody had any actual goals in this campaign, if nobody was trying to actually do anything or tell a story, I, I would have been cool with it had that moment happened. But like seeing like the other five players in my group and knowing that they all have things they're trying to do with their characters, um, and uh using like using the bag of beans for the first time and uh, and for some reason, I knew this was going to happen too. Using the bag of beans and getting the pyramid the very first time you use it um, is just like, I knew that was going to happen. And mm-hmm. that's one of those things where it's like, that is, that redirects everything about the game so hard, especially when everybody is standing right next to the bean when it goes off. Um, that it's like, I, I couldn't let it happen. Yeah. That was that was the first time I had to be like, no, we're just undoing that. Like that's just not allowed to happen right now. So, and again, for some reason, I knew it was going to be the pyramid. I just knew it because if you've ever listened to the Dungeons and Daddies podcast, they also have a bag of beans moment in that podcast that involves the pyramid, um, and that became a major narrative thing for them. But that's because they were playing the type of game where they were just, they for the most part had an end goal but didn't know how to get there, so they were just seeing where it was going. Yeah. Um, a plus, they weren't all standing under where the pyramid would spawn. <laughs> so, um, so for anyone who doesn't know, the pyramid is a thing. Where, so, the bag of beans is a magical bag of beans where you you 
throw a bean or plant a bean, you, th- you use one of the beans and it will sprout something random magically. Um, it'll just have a random magical effect. And one of those effects is that it will spawn a 60 by 60 base uh, pyramid uh, with a mummy lord inside and the pyramid functions as its own dungeon. Um, and so in in the Dungeons and Daddies podcast, which is, I think, my favorite podcast right now, um, they they did a lot of really interesting stuff with that pyramid. And it ended up like directing a lot of what the plot of the campaign was after that. Um, but for me, in my little home game, where uh, I have been a little railroady so far, but that's mostly because I have a group of new players who don't know what they're doing yet. Um, so in this home game, it's like we reach a point where one of my players uh, just randomly uses the bag of beans for the first time and it does that. It's like, eh, I have to say no. I have to say yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, like, she kept talking about, like, I, I haven't used my bag of beans yet. And, like, looking at me, like, I'm supposed to tell her when to use it. So I told her, like, well, that's up to you. You got you you pick when to use the bag of beans. And she was like, all right, I'm going to do it now. And I'm like, oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> Why did I say that? Yeah. And so she decided to, all right, so you remember when we tried doing the D&D podcast a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Scoundrels. Um, so I'm reusing a lot of characters and settings from that for our home campaign. Yeah. Um, so Walkenstein, the Christopher Walken Frankenstein monster. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's he's back. Okay. Um. So she, the very first time she used the bag of beans, she planted it in his belly button. <laughs> what What came about from it? Uh, well, it was the pyramid at first, but I made her re-roll because I knew that would ruin the game. Oh, um. Okay. And what came about was instead a nest with four eggs popped out of his belly button. Um, and if you eat the eggs, there is a small chance that it will um, permanently increase one of your ability scores. Okay. And a larger chance that it will deal, I think, uh, 10d6 uh, force damage due to an internal magical explosion in your body. Uh, then don't eat it. <laughs> yeah, so she she decided that she was going to take one of the eggs and feed it to another NPC because this is the kind of player we're dealing with. Ah, okay. Um, now, fortunately, the NPC in question I have already constructed as a bit of an enigma. Yeah. Um, he's an old man who got slapped in half by a gorilla. And his, nice. his, his, his name is Slaps McGinty. He's a very like Master Roshi type of character. So did he get his name just from that one time he got snap slapped by a gorilla? Well, n- normally he gets slapped by tigers, but this time um, it was a gorilla. I gotcha. And um, one thing I established in the last session we did is that Stern the Goblin already knows this guy and uh, has found out that Slaps has unique DNA that when injected with a particular concoction Stern came up with allows him to regrow limbs and chunks of his body. So Stern injected him with the thing that helps him regrow his legs and let him go rest in a bed down the hall. Um, so my player went to feed him the egg. I was thinking like, all right, if you know, there's a chance that uh, this will permanently increase one of his like 
ability scores. It didn't. It was the magical explosion. So here's what I did. I used it as justification to say like, oh yeah, the magical explosion just caused fully formed and fully functional new legs to pop out of his body. Uh, okay. <laughs> like a birthday party noisemaker. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, there we go. Because I didn't have a character sheet made for him. So like I like I calculated the damage and I'm like, I don't have any context for this. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, yeah. I I built a character sheet for him last night in preparation for next week's session. Um, but yeah, like I didn't have a character sheet for him at the time, so I was like, okay, he just regrows the legs, but they just pop out, and then he he uh, um he grabs her by the shoulders, thanks her for her quote unquote kindness, even though she was trying to kill him, and yeah, tells yeah. her, "You will be the mother of a grand dynasty." And then he throws a smoke bomb on the ground and disappears. But if you look out the window, you see him running across the lawn. No, no. <laughs> He's completely naked. Um, so, uh, and he he did tell them he would return in his in their time of greatest need. Okay. So yeah, but yeah, like his his usual thing. She she then eats one of the beans and is like, "Okay, time of greatest need. I might die." No, she hasn't done that yet. She hasn't done that yet. But yeah, so um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. But yeah, like like I said, she's one of the ones where, uh, like, yeah, she's she's doing the typical first time rogue thing. I noticed yeah. rogue players have a tendency to want to do that. Yeah, where she's just like pushing, pushing against the walls to see how long it takes to break. And she finally found the the one thing where it was like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not letting that happen. I'm not doing that. Yeah, the watcher known as Tio had to come down and yeah. and interfere at that time. Yeah. yeah. But um but yeah, and then I have another player. He um I will say at first he felt a little bit like a problem player. But now I have to say he's probably one of my favorite players um so far. I love all my players. They're all yeah, yeah. fun to play with. Um but my reasons for this one in particular are uh, like he has taken to this game very well. Um, like he, he's taken to this game like a fish to water. He he comes yeah. up with a full character with an actual personal history. All of his decisions are informed by that backstory and he always has an actual goal in mind. That's cool. And I love that. And like I said, at yeah. first he was a little bit of a problem player, but I think it's because he didn't have a direction at the time. Yeah, yeah. And so he was just kind of doing things, but now that he now that he has a direction, he has a goal, and he knows what he's doing. Like I can tell he's always thinking of his next move and it's it's very interesting. That's um, good and, for like uh yeah. someone who like is fairly new to it cuz like I I I haven't played a ton of D&D, but like even now, like like even when I did play, when I played more than a few games, like I I'm still like like what I like the most out of D is like I, I'm not someone that really has like an end goal with it. I'm ultimately like I like the improv with D and D. Whether whether it's comedic or just or storytelling wise, I just like the Im, improvisation of it. So I never truly had like an end goal with it. But that's cool that like he's like somewhat fresh to it and is already like adapted to that. Yeah, like um, for one of our 
our first and so far only side campaign that we're doing um the way he has put his character together in terms of like backstory and personality is way more focused than his first one too because i think he took everything he learned from the first time around and improved it for the second time around um because like in our in our secondary campaign like he's already basically like directing uh the narrative of the game yeah. like almost almost single-handedly um so yeah he definitely took to the game very quickly i'm looking forward to uh like eventually seeing the rest of my players starting to have the confidence to like make moves like that as well yeah yeah But yeah, like, because uh, like, because this player, um, like I said, I, I used to kind of view him as a little bit of a problem player at first because one of the things he did. OK, so I have to get a little detailed with it. Mm-hmm. So he's, he in our main campaign is playing as a paladin um, and his paladin, I think, is Oath of Vengeance. So he's a, he's a vengeance paladin. And um at third level when you take the oath apparently like uh like you you know have various like types of nemeses you can select i guess yeah i have to go back and reread it because i did reread it once just to check and make like see if he was playing it properly um and the way he interpreted the oath is that if he sees someone against whom he has like his vengeance quest um he is obligated to attack them um and and you remember Nick Knack, right? The oh yeah, yeah the the shop the, owner. yeah the shop owner who was like a clone of a of a greater Nick yeah Knack. yeah like every so, like two or three weeks there's like a new one or something yeah so out of nowhere um, he kind of decided that one of his nemesis figures was the entirety of Nick Knack. Oh, okay. so I'm like oh great every magic shop owner in the game now has to fear for their life from this guy <laughs> um and so like i would do uh i i i basically had him like meet nick prime and let him kill nick prime to see if that would like sate the bloodlust it didn't so i was like okay <laughs> so i started like doing more and more extreme things like one of the nicks he came across was a child like he's not gonna try and murder a child, is he? Right? You gotta stomp him out. That could he's be not... the next the next Nick Hitler. <laughs> but like I was my head I was like, right? He won't try to kill a child, right? Right? <laughs> and so no. He did. So he tried. No, I didn't let is... him. Oh. Here's the thing. If it was real life, yes, obviously. The, he wouldn't kill the kid. But within this, what what's great and bad about D and D is like you you are somewhat yourself, but like there's a lot of stuff that you will do that you would never do. Yeah, yeah, you're playing as a character. So anyway, that was kind of like his rock bottom. Um, he and I have been working together to like try and rebuild his character so that he's not a child murderer. Um, uh, I I feel like he's found the direction it took a couple sessions to work it out but I think he's found his direction now yeah 
um, which is a part of why I'm looking forward to the next few sessions. But like, yeah, like, and, and the thing is some of my players just kind of decide at random uh, that they dislike some of the NPCs I've created. And of course it's always the NPCs that like I'm most proud of and like the most. <laughs> so, so it's, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, okay. Cause like, as far as I can tell, I don't actually like these NPCs aren't really giving my players real reasons to like be murderously vengeful. It's not, but it's one of those things where this is like, it's like playing a video game that has like multiple freedoms within it. Like, like if you're playing uh, that old Hulk game from PS2, half the time you're just running around like grabbing cars and like making Hulk fists out of them and trying to like punch civilians and stuff. Oh yeah. I'll get distracted for like 20 minutes at a time playing prototype. Yeah. I'm I'm sure you can guess why, but, uh, but, uh, there's, there's so the thing is there's so much freedom with it. Like with the video game, you're just, it is one of those things where it's like, I just, I kind of want to see what happens if I do this. Like, will it let me do this? Oh, it did let me do this. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I've got some plans for how some of that's going to resolve in the future, but like the, um, uh, the rogue player that I mentioned before, um, yeah. like she picked just this one character um, named Schmuckly. Uh, I don't know if she picked him because of his name or what, um, but I named him Schmuckly because I come up with goofy names for my characters. I think it's fun and funny. Um, and like, so she just kind of picked Schmuckly and I was like, I hate this character. That guy's um, such a schmuck. I got to take him down. And so it's like, now, over the course of the story, I've been, like, darkening him as a character. Because he's supposed to start as, like, this wide-eyed and hopeful young guy. Um, <laughs> but, like, I've been darkening him as a character in order to, uh, like, build a proper rivalry between him and her. Yeah. And so I, I think I have some pretty interesting uh, resolutions in mind. We'll see how it goes, obviously. Because um, luckily just got tired. For too many things in D&D. But, yeah, Schmuckley just got tired of being bullied, and now he's going to try to stand up to the bully. Um, and uh, oh, what else is there? Uh, <laughs> and like, anytime I and I'm a comedian first and foremost, right? And anytime I present even a mildly goofy character, um, usually my rogue player will be like, "All right, I want to kill this guy," and I'm like, "Come on." <laughs> Like seriously, is that is that how an actual person acts? Is that how an actual human being reacts to being confronted with a weirdo, just becoming instantly murderous? I don't. But again, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, I just got off my nine to five, or, or I'm I'm about to to take an ease. This is like my video game where where I'm not going. This is my my Assassin's Creed where mm-hmm. yeah. I should be going and like doing the story and the main mission and stuff. But I'm just going to send like all of my brotherhood assassins to assassinate all these guards and everyone. I'm just going to murder everyone for like an hour or two before I actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah so f- for me it's like it's um i'm about to uh uh like in the next session i told you earlier I've, I've been a bit railroady so far um and my my reason why that is is because uh my group is but coming up in this next session we're getting ready to head into like a really big battle um like like the battle at helm's deep um like paramount war from one piece like scale battle um so like it's uh it's gonna be a big one and i'm taking the rails off like this like decisions are going to be up to my players now because i keep i keep asking them like leading questions in sessions to try and like guide them into a decision yeah yeah but now it's like going into this battle it's like i um i'm going to stop doing that i'm going to see what my players do with it because a lot of the time it seems like my players either um are paralyzed by choice or in some cases don't want to bother engaging enough to make a decision. Uh, okay, I got you. Which is not how the game is played. So cuz yeah, like so far it does feel like I've made a lot of decisions for them. And I'm not complaining. Like I know a lot of this probably sounds like I'm complaining. Um but uh you know, my intention is just to like Maybe vent a little bit, but just to to tell someone. Yeah, no. yeah it's one of those things where, like, uh, uh, and, and with that, like, you have uh, somewhat new players, so they're they're still adjusting to that, as well as like this. I I don't know who's in the actual game, like who's playing and stuff, but like there there's likely some uh, uh, people that are playing that like in real life aren't the the i'm not trying to say this in a mean or weird way they're not like the the leader or the go-getter yeah um like they're not making like i, I don't know how to express i know there's well, a word for, for it. yeah yeah for for um for some of them it's just they don't know what to do i think they're still like for as long as we've been doing this, I think they're still kind of wrapping their heads around exactly how much freedom they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because that is a thing. Is like when I first played D and D, like it, it is one of those things where like you're as you keep going, you're just more and more shocked. Like oh, like I I can do this. Like like because to this extreme, like we're so used to video games. Yeah, and like video games have restrictions. Like, yes, there's like quote unquote freedom with video games, but there's a decent bit of restrictions within it. So, when you're playing for the first time or the first multiple times, like you're still thinking that video game restriction logic kind. Yeah, where you're you're not thinking like oh like. I can do this or I, I, I should talk with this person and I, I can actually like ask them anything rather than like three prompts that pop up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like they're like, um, now I will say uh, some of my new players though, like t- two of them in particular are really starting to like, uh, uh, w- like 
figure out and warm up to like the amount of freedom they have one in particular yeah, yeah. she is our druid player in our main campaign anytime we can get her alone with an npc it's always one of the funniest things to happen for the night <laughs> anytime she's in a room alone with an npc we've noticed like one of the most interesting or funny things will happen for the entire session because like last time she was like going down a secret hallway but like there was a guy following her with his knife drawn on her and and she herself was following someone down the hallway too. So this guy is like protecting the person she's following. Yeah. And then she notices him and turns around and sees him with his knife pointed at her. And she's like, Hey, and he's like, hi. <laughs> she's like, what, what's up? What's up the knife? And he's like, I was told to follow you. Um, you know, point my knife at you. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, Make sure you don't do anything suspicious. And she's like, all right. And eventually, as they're walking down the hallway, and he's like, you know, they, they never mentioned anything about me having to stab you. Uh, <laughs> I should probably just put this away, huh? So he, like, literally just puts the knife away and, like, starts just walking down the hall with her. <laughs> and, like, she just accepts it. <laughs> um. And, and the guy who's following her down the hall with the knife, again, a callback to a, the Scoundrels thing. It was Clay's character, Scrack. Oh, okay, yeah. From from Scoundrels. Meanwhile, your character, Skidstain, is following Scrack. Nice. And she asks, why are you following me? And Scrack is like, I lost the rock, paper, scissors game to follow you. <laughs> and, then, and then Skidstain from down the hall is like, he lost against me. And she's like, why are you following us? And he's like, because I lost the rock, paper, scissors game to follow him. <laughs> but yeah, because I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm reusing some scoundrels characters. So I built my yeah, own yeah. versions of you guys' player characters. But yeah, so like that, that little bit right there, like that was one of the, I think, funnier moments for the night. And, uh, so yeah, and then and then one more player, my my bard player. Um, I'm trying real hard to break her out of her shell, because uh, out of everyone at the table so far, she's the only one who uh, um, doesn't really like talk in character or or make a lot of decisions or do a whole lot. She's mostly just kind of there. So I I try to make sure she you know is involved and engaged. Like I. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, like last time, last time we had a session, she mentioned that she wanted her character to say something. I'm like, all right, would you would you like to try saying that in character? Um, and she didn't. So I'm like, okay. So we just moved on. But like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm I'm trying to break her out of her shell because um, I can just tell she's. I think she might think it's embarrassing. Like she's she's not no, I, she's I, not I ready, which I totally get. Yeah. Um. I, but like a part of a part of what I try to do as a DM is I will often try to behave very ridiculously on purpose to show everyone yeah. else at the table that like this is a safe place. No yeah, one's gonna yeah. make fun of you for being weird if you do this. Like, uh, like you you can be comfortable being goofy and odd. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you like basically there's, there's nothing like, to be embarrassed about. Yeah, you basically try to like over weird anything to where it's like. 
what you do, however weird you are, if you do go weird, I'm going to be weirder. So there's yeah. nothing to worry about. Yeah, yeah. Basically, like no one at the table probably even knows how to be weirder than me. So there's literally nothing you can do that would like that would be properly embarrassing. Or at least that's that's the way I I try to make things. That's that's how I hope most of my players take it. And um and most of my players, you know, try to talk in character. It's just for her, it's like we just gotta we just gotta chip away at that shell a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Get her to be more open. Um which I think it's kind of ironic because she's playing as the bard. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, I know she's a new player. I know. But at level one, when she built her character, she had a plus zero charisma modifier for her bard. Oh, I gotcha. So... Like and when I found that out, when I looked at her sheet, I was like, wait a minute. You have a zero modifier for charisma. And she was like, Yeah, and I'm like, You're a bard. And she's like, Yeah. And I was like, that's like your most important stat. And she was like, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but by then, like we were too far into the game. It was too late for her to like just completely re-roll her character's scores. So it's like at this it'll point, be, you got to get it up through leveling up. Yeah, it, it take it'll it'll take some getting used to as well. But like it, it would that would be interesting, like in kind of uncharismatic bard. Yeah, that's like a barbarian with a with a, with a ten in strength or constitution. Yeah. <laughs> Because that would also present a plus zero modifier. And it's like, yeah, you swing your axe and the axe is doing all the work. <laughs> like, buddy, you're you, like all that chopping power comes from the blade. Your arms are doing nothing. Yeah, the bard character, like, like an uncharismatic bard character. They just know like, uh, they know like one song. And they're <laughs> they're like, and, and it's like a simple song. Like they know, uh, "Smoke on the Water," and <laughs> and, and all, all they know, all they know is "Wonderwall." <laughs> and their singing is is like it's not bad, but like there's a few notes here and there where it's like, eh. yeah. All right, that was great, Bard. Play, play another song. All right. Um, Here's Wonderwall. <laughs> yeah, that would be hilarious. Yeah, it's just like, I just know Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's like a, a, like an uncharismatic bard. So all I can think is at level one, her, her spell DC, like the saving throw that enemies had to beat to avoid uh, being affected by her spells, was 10. It was a flat 10. Because the spell DC is 8 plus proficiency bonus plus casting modifier for all spellcasters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with a, a bard, the casting modifier is charisma. And so if your charisma modifier is plus 0 as a bard, your spell DC at level 1 is a flat uh, 10 because the proficiency bonus at level 1 is plus 2. Oh, uh, gotcha. Um, which means it's, that's 
that is exactly in the middle of a D20 roll. That is a ludicrously easy save to make. Yeah. The only way that save could have been easier is if, like, let's say, for example, she's using the standard point array and she dumps Charisma, so that means she puts an 8 as her ability score on Charisma. That would be um, a minus 1, right? Mm. Uh, which would have made her DC a 9. It would have made her spell save DC a 9. That's the only, like, the only way I could think of it like being easier. Now, I did tell my players, though, because they were all rolling for it. I told them all... Um, that if they got anything lower than a 10, re-roll that ability score, because I didn't want any negative modifiers on my players. Yeah. I'm okay with negative modifiers on the NPCs I build. Oftentimes I will intentionally build them with at least one negative modifier. But for my players, I didn't want them. I, I want them all to at least be average at everything. Um, so, you know, I, I always tell my players if it falls under 10 when you roll, just roll again. Um. And that's assuming that they're rolling for their stats, but yeah, um, yeah. but yeah. So I, uh, <laughs> but she put. So was, I think she got either a ten or eleven for one of her things, and she's like, ah, "Charisma's probably not that important." Because again, I, and as a group of new players, I'm pretty sure they all approached it with, uh, oh, "This is a this is a combat game, right? Like this game is about fighting." Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for the first time playing, I can see that, yeah. Like, my rogue player, that's definitely the impression I get from her, is that, like, she's she's mostly only invested in so far as she can make it to the next fight quickly. Yeah. Uh, Which I think is why, during roleplay bits, she messes with everything so much. Is because she's just trying to make something happen. Yeah. But, yeah, so... uh, but yeah, it, it's it's <laughs> yeah, it's just funny to me that like yeah, her her spell save DC was a flat ten, a flat ten, and her her which means her spell attack modifiers when she would make spell attacks was zero because that's just your spell casting modifier plus a roll, which means if she was making a spell attack, it was just a flat roll like with nothing to uh, amplify yeah. it. It was just a flat D twenty roll. Goodness gracious! Again, I know I know she's a new player. I'm not trying to make fun of her. Yeah, yeah. She's never gonna listen to this, but <laughs> but still, it's just it's one of those things. that's like it's funny to think about. It's it's one of those things where like I ultimately, and it's just like me playing D and D. I am almost okay with any type of character or stat that I'm given just because I feel like I can do something with that narratively or, or, or something. Yeah. Cause, cause yeah, the, 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 the bard thing, like not the best stats, <laughs> for yeah. bard. And, but, but it, it, it is interesting though. Yeah. And now one thing that does help that did help her mitigate her low charisma early on is the fact that she's a changeling. Okay. So that that gave her some like you know benefits that she, I think, needed early on. I forgot. Can changelings? Uh... Changelings can shape shift between humanoid shapes of the same size group. Oh, okay. oh whoa, whoa! Okay, that was an angry phone. 
Yeah. So, so what she could do, <laughs> she could literally shape shift into the lead singer of Oasis. <laughs> Just yeah, like, all right, everybody, here we go. Today is going to be it. <laughs> and the reason she wanted to be a changeling um, is because she probably heard the story of um, of Sleipnir from Norse mythology and how Sleipnir was born. Mm. Um, because one of the first things they did when talking about the changeling is talk about how she wanted to shapeshift into a horse. Uh, and and uh, uh, I was like, horse. oh, I see where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I did tell her, like, okay, so it's changeling's natural shapeshifting ability um, doesn't allow them to make them into a, a different size or uh, achieve a non-humanoid form. So, like, you will always have to be a medium humanoid, which means that a, sh- a changeling can't even shapeshift into a halfling. Yeah. Because halflings are small humanoids. So, uh, she was like, aw. I was like, yeah, I, mean, I know. What if I then look was, like a, a small horse that's standing on two legs? Like Bojack Horseman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but the, I did tell her, though, that, um, like, however, like, once you reach a certain level, uh, polymorph is in the bard spell list, and that's a fourth level spell, which means level seven is the earliest you can get it. So to tell her at level seven, you can get the the polymorph spell, and you will be able to be a horse for at least an hour like that. You can pull Just, a Loki. Yeah, yeah. So you can pull a Loki. I even gave her a magical item in the previous session called Sleepner's Horseshoe. Um, it's an item I came up with on my own because um, I don't really like using. Uh, the items from the book. I like making my own magical items because I like personalizing them to my players a bit more. Yeah, like my players do have magical items from the book, but uh, I I also gave them ones that I came up with on my own. But uh, so for her, Slightnir's horseshoe is one of the ones I gave her. It allows the user once per day to uh, grow as many as four extra limbs. Oh, okay. So you can be an eight-limbed creature. Yeah. Which means if she uses Sleipnir's uh, uh, horseshoe um, and then polymorphs herself into a horse, she can be an eight-legged horse like Sleipnir. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah. And, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I would, I would like to see, because yeah, I like seeing a lot of different like weird characters. One character I would love to see someone play is a warlock who thinks they're a cleric. Because that would all be in the role play. Yeah, yeah. But like, because like functionally, yeah, they're a warlock. But like, I just think it would be funny if like it was a warlock who thought that they were a cleric. <laughs> It just seems amusing to me. Or um, maybe a wizard with a negative intelligence modifier. That'd be funny. None of their spells would ever work. (laughs) Which I think is a part of what makes it funny. Yeah. Like just, yeah, use the standard point array 
for your uh, for your wizard, dump the intelligence so it's it's an eight, which is a minus one modifier. And uh, yeah, so it's just none of your spells ever work. <laughs> you have to get really lucky. Yeah, I'm just I'm looking forward to playing again. But the next the next time we start a new campaign, though, um, I want to sit down with my players for a session zero um, to discuss, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, like expectations and and yeah. you know what it's going to be this time because we've started two campaigns now without a session zero, um, and the second one went better than the first one in my opinion. But because um, like, but the thing is with the second one though, it is like the only idea for a campaign that I have where like guns aren't allowed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like my one and only no guns allowed campaign concept, and two of my players wanted to make characters with guns for that one, uh, and only that one. Yeah, it's like really. So like I did, I did explain that like no guns in this one. No, no guns in this one. <laughs> guns in the next one, if you want, because most of my campaign concepts involve do do factor in guns. But this is yeah, just, yeah. this is the one where there's no guns allowed. Yeah. So, so yeah, next time, next time we uh, are you know getting ready to start a campaign, I want to sit down for a session zero. And have my players actually talk to each other about their character concepts. Yeah, yeah. All, that way, whenever they start off, character. they can. Yeah, because all of them come uh, up with their characters in isolation from each other for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Well, not total isolation because my group is made up of three couples. I gotcha. So, like, the couples are usually at least a little bit aware of each other's characters, but not yeah, but the not characters the others. of the other couples. Yeah. So. It's, so but yes, I want I want to sit down with them and have them come up with character concepts together for one yeah. of these, um, and like, and also like with me in the room so that we can make sure it all fits together within the campaign idea as well. Yeah, like within the setting. Slap me with your giant comic book news, why don't you? <laughs> There's some stuff that's like uh, here and there that's like, eh. but there actually is some some interesting stuff that I saw digging through this. I only go through like uh, CBR like once every couple months, and it's only yeah. scrolling down like for ten minutes, and I'm like, okay, I know what's going on in the comic world right now. I'm yeah. Good. Um. Uh. This article I haven't read the the article itself. I just thought it was interesting. It's uh, Batman believes Superman's boyfriend is a villain. Batman, uh, you need to lay off. <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 coming off a bit homophobic, Batman. <laughs> yeah, for me, I I stopped uh, uh, looking at CBR articles because a. All the comments on them always annoyed me because CBR seems to be followed exclusively by 
of jaded older comic book fans who hate yes, comic books now because yes. they think that the big two are the only ones publishing comics. So anytime something they don't like comes from it, they're like, Western comics are dying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, I never look at the comments. Like half the time I will just look at the headline, which I, I guess isn't good, but it's comic news. It's not like actual yeah. news. With actual news, you shouldn't just look at the headline. You should look yeah. further. But this is comic news. Like, it's not like it's going to like Affect destroy. Yeah, it, it doesn't have that much impact. Yeah. Um, and then like some stuff I'll click on and, and read if it's if it's interesting. But, but yeah, yeah. For me, it's like well, you see, one of the reasons I would look at the comments though is because I wanted to see whether or not it was worth leaving a bait comment on. Because uh, yeah. I would try because I started trying to like bait people into like debating me for a few reasons. Um, the number one reason usually being that I typically had better thought out arguments than anyone who would take the bait. Yeah. So it was, it was fun to like watch their, their position fall apart. Yeah. Uh, uh, number two is I was genuinely curious, like for, for in some cases, like why some people, uh, seem to just hate comic books now. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then an- another reason I stopped looking at CBR articles is because they kept having these stupid articles of like 11 reasons or like six reasons something is this way and five reasons it's actually that that's, way. Like, that's why I don't look at the articles. I don't look at CBR yeah. articles. I look at the news section where well, yes, like, articles, but it's like news. It's not like, whoa, it's not like a BuzzFeed article where it's like, oh, which Robin. Are you which Robin would you kiss or I don't know <laughs> just random stuff? Which Robin would you let touch your butt? <laughs> Stephanie Brown. Next question. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, uh, yeah. For me, it's like the, those ones where it's like five reasons Thor is the strongest Avenger, six reasons is actually the Hulk. And I'm like, which is it? Yeah. Yeah, can't be. You can't do that. You can't have like five reasons like this character is the strongest, and six reasons this character is the strongest. It's one or the other. And firstly, it's a meaningless. It's a meaningless debate anyway because it doesn't matter who the strongest is. You're just supposed to read these as stories, not as the whoever the writer wants at that point. Yeah, yeah, the whoever the writer wants at that point. But if you're going to do that, if you're going to do the which is stronger, you need to have a a answer like yeah. you you already gave claims of like how both are stronger but you need to have a your answer ultimately it's not like your answer is 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 objective and and we'll we'll everyone will follow that it's like no no, no. It, it is kind of your opinion but if you're going to make this article just say your opinion of, of who you think yeah, or like uh, five reasons why Superman is still relevant, or five reasons why he's outdated, and uh, it's, which is it? Yeah, <laughs> is he is relevant? Or is he outdated? You can't yeah. have a list of like five on both sides and say that they're both true and and leave it at that. Like that's not how yeah. it works. Yeah, exactly. That's not how the English language works. Yeah. So yeah, that's like for me. It's like I know that's a super like pedantic reason to dislike something like that's really getting lost in the weeds of of things and like digging too far into like the language of it and being like i don't like that at the same time it's like 
no, like it's just it's annoying. It's annoying to look at. I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to see stupid headline article or article headlines like that, where it's it's like it's <laughs> which is which is it? Yeah, exactly. Pick pick a position. Yeah, yeah. Like some of the, <laughs> I mean, it is news, but I guess like it's like it is comic news, so not 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 a whole lot groundbreaking stuff. Yeah, it's, like, not, it's not real news. Yeah, yeah, like, like this is cool, but it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, I'm not going to read this article or anything. Uh, McFarlane Toys, they are coming out with like, <clears throat> like, how you have like action figure packs, like this, the McFarlane Spawn toys and stuff. Yeah. They're coming out with like a a pack of like guns for your action figures. which is interesting i mean ultimately it's like news it's comic news and this is like even more niche comic news because it's comic uh, toy news but i mean like i don't know i've never thought about that of like yeah like just have just sell a whole thing of guns for my action figure but but that's not I, i just wanted to touch on that of just an example of like comic news it's it's not entirely uh groundbreaking or, or has any effect or anything um looking at some of the stuff though there's two things that are somewhat interesting uh this one i i definitely want to check out whenever it comes out in trade so sesame street becomes a twisted hyperviolent nightmare in new dark horse series what the, the dark horse series is called survival street it takes the long-running educational PBS children's show and turns it into a dark, hyper-violent action satire series. <laughs> Why? <laughs> what? Why? It's one of those things where, like, this was bound to happen eventually. I didn't ever expect Sesame Street. That is, like, completely out of left field because PBS, I don't know, I, I thought they had a an image to maintain or whatever. Uh, but uh, there was a, uh, uh, it was a 1960s show called like the banana splits. And it was like a, like, it was like a band, but yeah. it was like a bunch of people dressed up in like, like Chuck E. Cheese type outfits, like the mask. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was like very kid friendly. And then like a few years ago, whoever got the rights to the banana splits, decided to make a horror movie, a rated R horror movie with the banana splits. <laughs> like it, it was originally a five nights at Freddy's uh, uh, script, but they, they edited it and, and rewrote it to work for the banana splits. It's not a bad movie. It's not amazing by any means, but like, I thought it was very interesting <laughs> what they did with it and made it this rated R horror movie. So like maybe, <laughs> Dark Horse and Sesame Street has kind of taken a, a page from that of like, hey, very child friendly thing. <laughs> yeah, I can I can just imagine people like two people are walking down a, a dark alleyway on Sesame Street. They're in the, like the sh- like every shadow presents a threat. Like, how oh, we got to keep moving. We got to get out of here, or he'll catch us. And they just hear in the distance, C is for cookie. <laughs> That's good enough for me. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, he's Cookie, Monster. Cookie Monster, there's two things I predict for Cookie Monster. He's either a Godzilla-like figure, like a kaiju, or he's – because there's always this possibility. I, I don't entirely want them to go this way, but it's more likely than the Godzilla kaiju is he's like this basically addict that's like living in an alleyway. He's like, oh, 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 I'll do this for cookies. Come on, please, please. <laughs> cookie, cookie. I just, need, I just need cookies, please. I see one, two, three victims. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> yeah, and then like... uh Oscar the Grouch, maybe like uh You're living in Elmo's world now. <laughs> yeah, Oscar the Grouch just like I guess pulls them into his trash can and just eats them yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Big Bird flies around carrying victims back to his nest made of bones. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I this this image that they have, it shows like half of the image to the left is like your Sesame Street like uh, happy funness, and then the other half is like this like <laughs> the city that's burning, and you have like it, it's like post apocalyptic. Like it's I don't know what Sesame Street character this is, but he's wearing like like the the post-apocalyptic scarf the the bandana around the forehead he's got a scar going down uh, do what i said oh my god yeah yeah he's got he's got a bandolier with bullets like (laughs) Like, we gotta uh, do what it takes to survive bert (laughs) i lost rubber ducky to this madness i won't lose you too Hold on, I gotta look up Sesame Street characters real quick. I gotta be honest with you, Brandon. This sounds like the stupidest thing anyone's ever come up with. It's so stupid, but I'm so interested in reading this. How does something like this get greenlit? I had that that's the thing is like I would understand if it was like a lesser known property like the banana splits the banana splits was big in the 60s and then it was just gone for decades so someone eventually buys the right to it or has the right to it and it's like let's just do whatever with it that makes sense but Sesame Street has been and is still big and it's PBS that, that's also another thing like it's not like it's Cartoon Network. It's not like it's Nickelodeon. Like PBS is more child friendly than any of those. Yeah, it's a public access channel. Exactly. It's so wild. That's that's kind of why I want to read it because it's like, what in the world? Let me see. I I I know of a lot of these characters. I just don't know their their personalities. Yeah, but I want to see Kaiju Cookie Monster or I guess uh, Cookie Addict Cookie Monster. Because they they said satirical and also 
it seems like based on like this image I'm seeing, they're going to go like definitely in that route because like part of the image, it's this like billboard that's like burning in the background that says just consume. So it, they're, they're going uh, that route with it. I see. So, so you could definitely have cookie monster being a, a, a cookie addict. Yeah. And <laughs> You can have a yeah count be like a, some weird guy that just lures women back to his his his, his castle and kills them. I count one, two, three, four stab wounds. Ah ah ah. <laughs> That's the thing is I have no idea what they'll do with Elmo. I think it's it's going to be kind of what you said, either like scary because Elmo's like ah, it's me, Elmo. like they'll go scary with it, or he'll be like a corporate guy <laughs> with a cigar hanging out of his mouth. Yeah, but still, that that Elmo voice, it's like, well, how were the profits today? And someone's <laughs> like, it, it, uh, it, it wasn't too good mr elmo sir and elmo like slams his puppet fist on the table he's like wasn't too good you say and then just <laughs> eventually has that guy like killed or tortured take him out back elmo is such a difficult impression to do yeah yeah his voice is too distinct so what was okay so you mentioned there's there's more comic book news you have yeah yeah this one uh, this one is like i don't know i'm not really for this because it it goes back into the whole keanu reeves berserker type thing Uh oscar isaac launches kickstarter oh Um, it's it's a trailer for a new graphic novel what's it called um let me see uh head wounds Colon Sparrow. That's the wow. graphic novel. Head Wounds Sparrow. Head Wounds Sparrow. Yeah. Let me see if it's on Kickstarter right now. Like, can y'all just like just go to one of the big publishers? Yeah. Leave us indie folk alone, please. <laughs> <laughs> Like every, because everyone's going to be drawn to your project because of your name. Like they they like comics already, and then they hear your name, they're going to be drawn to your project. So if you have it on Kickstarter, like you're taking away not just me, but I'm saying like indie comic people in general. You're just taking What's like the any any the teeniest tiny bit of spotlight. Like you have a spotlight for us. It's like a a a pixel. Of, of light on us. And you're was, just taking that away. Was Amelia Clark's comic book that she co-wrote on Kickstarter at all, or did that one just get published? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that got published. I kind of want to look that up real quick. I think it was through Image, thing. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so it was through Image, and uh, Image doesn't do any Kickstarter stuff. Yeah. I know, I know Boom kind of did that with Keanu Reeves' thing. Yeah, with Keanu Reeves' thing. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the new official title of the, of the comic book, Keanu Reeves' thing. It's a good book, but I don't know. I, I just hate how it was done. Let me see. 
heck this is such a horrible name for it i keep forgetting what it is at least with mother, berserker mother even, even though berserker is spelt all weird and stuff at oh. least i remember it yeah wait wait like, wait so uh, you're trying to look up the oscar isaac one or the amelia clark one yeah i'm trying to look up the oscar isaac one okay I, I think you said it was head wound sparrow I think. yeah okay because i was gonna say uh, the the amelia clark one if you're still looking for that one i think is mother of madness Oh, this is fantastic. It's going on right now. Thanks, Oscar. Yeah. It's at $50,000. Nice. What a shock. And and it's it's no discredit to him. Like like I'm sure he has he didn't write it. It's written by someone else, but it's developed. So, so he has some stake in this, whether it's money or story. Well, no, he, 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 well, he doesn't even have story. So story by Robert Johnson and John Alvey. Okay. He wanted, (laughs) he wanted his face in a graphic novel as the main character and he was willing to pay for it. It's it's a movie pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately it is because, oh, you're so right. The, the brand, like he, it, usually when you go to Kickstarter and you look at the person that made it, it'll say like their name or whatever. Like for me, it says Disney Comics. Um, this says Legendary Comics, and it's the exact same logo as Legendary Pictures. Yeah, yeah, this is a, this the, is a movie uh, pitch. It's the, it's the yeah. same thing with Berserker. Yeah, this is just a movie pitch. Awesome. Thank you. It's a, it's a movie pitch that they, so in the trailers they can say based on the graphic novel. Yep, you're exactly right. Uh, it's so frustrating. It, it, and the thing is, it's probably decent, but it's like, uh, you, it's Oscar Isaac. I know he didn't write it. He didn't do the story for it, but like, you you have like a couple press junkets of him talking about it. You. A publisher will pick it up. And here's the thing. It's a graphic novel. So that's even better than a a floppies. So with it being a graphic novel, it's not just going to be in uh, the the regular comic shop. If like Boom picked it up or if Image picked it up or whatever, likely one of them would have picked it up. Yeah, It's not just going to be in comic shops because it's a graphic novel. It's going to be in Books a Million, Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Maybe even Wal- you'll see it in Walmart and Target.com. Like, yeah. yeah, and also because it's a graphic novel, it's, it's it's classier. It's not one of those trashy comic books. It's this one's real art. Yeah. <laughs> so frustrating. Yeah. I was talking with a, I guess some behind the scenes stuff. I was talking with a, a indie comic creator he's doing like a lot better than me but it's it's we're both not doing fifty thousand. yeah and oscar i think it's only been live for like a few days so likely it'll be like two hundred thousand by the end or something but um but we were talking and he said with his and in his book is like really like a charity thing Mm. like he's he's producing this book and all of the profits are going towards making it, it's a i'm trying to remember uh comic books for kids that's the the charity organization to where like 
they will make this comic and send it out to hospitals like like kids that are like like stuck in a hospital for a long period of time because like he his kid was in the hospital for a long time when when his kid was younger and stuff and some of the coolest stuff or, or the stuff that really cheered his child up was whenever a nurse or someone would come in with like a little toy, like a little Hot Wheels toy or, or, and he saw like someone come in with like a comic book or whatever, like it brightened that kid's day up and, and like, uh, yeah. So, so he's working with that and they're going to, uh, produce his comic and, and send out like thousands of copies across, uh, like the United States. That's really cool. Like, do what? That's really cool. It is really cool. Cause, cause like with it, one, it, it gives the kids something to, to, to do something to read. And, and like yeah. kids love comics. Like, like yeah. it's one of those things where almost any kid can find some sort of comic they like. Now, as you get older, you might continue comics or you might not. That's the thing. But like, uh, but yeah, it's one of those things where they'll read it and the story, it's like a superhero story, but it it has like some ties to his family, like his kid who was in the hospital and stuff. So they get to kind of see themselves through these main characters because the main characters went through similar stuff as, as the, the child reading it and stuff. Yeah. And also with it like i don't know maybe it'll influence them to continue being uh uh comic followers in the future or maybe influence them to want to draw comics or write comics i don't know like whenever he told me all this stuff like i instantly like pledged um like like a certain amount like like a good amount just because i was like i believe in this i i i basically told him I, I pulled the the cheap Dark Knight thing. I was like, I believe in Cat Cat and Piggy Girl. That's the name of the comic. <laughs> I was like, I believe it. Because I don't know. Like, that's like a really good cause. And no yeah. offense to Oscar Isaac. I'm sure the book is good. But, like, something like this just pulls away from that. Yeah. And, because. Yeah, and you can, and you can tell um... – not not only is uh, your um, associate's acquaintance friend is it actually um, a friend? Uh, yeah, yeah. Your your friend is is you know doing it not only for you know a good cause, but also like for the love of comics. You know what I mean? Like and spreading mm-hmm. that love of comics to others and 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 sharing it with them. You know what I mean? Yeah, and sure. Sharing those comics with children who need an escape exactly um, yeah. and and uh the, the oscar isaac one i like you said it's not really his his comic at this point but like you can he's the only identifiable person there um, yeah, yeah. The, the oscar isaac one um you can tell like that one again it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's being done for the sake of a comic book it's a movie pitch this is a it movie really movie. is. They're yeah. pitching a movie with Oscar Isaac in the lead. Because you, yeah, you're, you're spot on with it being a movie pitch because what would kind of like make me possibly 
think a little bit against movie pitch is if like the main character just like look like a regular person but no main character is modeled after oscar isaac and the the kickstarter itself is called head wound sparrow a new graphic novel from oscar isaac Mm. which i mean yeah technically you can say from you you didn't say written you didn't say story by he likely did produce this with his own money but yeah yeah, it ultimately is like, hey, industry people, especially legendary pictures, since you're the one doing this, if this does good, this this ultimately had to be it, since legendary pictures has their own legendary comics thing and is doing this. He went to them with this, and they were basically like, okay, let's do a little little trial run. Let's see how much people like it. Let's make a comic out of it. Let's make a graphic novel out of it. Because unfortunately, comic books aren't being looked at as their own unique art form or medium anymore. No, now, nowadays it's it's yeah, it's a stepping every, stone every new, to get to TV or movies. Yeah, every new comic book IP is now being looked at as a potential multimedia franchise. Exactly. Whether you're planning to make a TV show or a movie or much less likely a video game out of it, because video games aren't mainstream enough yet. Like the video games are more mainstream than comic books, but they're not mainstream enough. Um, yeah, yeah. So like, it's usually a movie or a TV show would be made out of a comic book because that's what's gonna make the companies the most money. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, so it's. It, yeah, like, but it is kind of annoying that, like, every single comic book IP that comes out nowadays is being viewed as a potential um, franchise outside of comic books. That's... Yeah. And, like, sure, would, would I like some of my own stuff to be turned into a TV show or something? Yes. But here's the thing. I have very particular, like, tastes myself, um, I'm, I'm not the sort of person who like, if my own comic work ever did get like big enough to get an adaptation, I'm not the sort of person who would just license it out just to get it like, um, just to get that adaptation. I have very particular desires for a lot of my work. Like there's, yeah, yeah. there's, there's some stuff where it's like, I do not want, if you're going to adapt this into a TV show, I want it animated and I want it animated in traditional 2d animation not 3d yeah that's the thing with like something like the gallows man yeah i would love to see it adapted but the only two mediums i would want to see it adapted as and i'm specific with details within it is either <clears throat> like a little uh, uh a mini series animated show um yeah specifically like like 2d i, I don't want like uh cgi or, or or 3d animation or anything like that I, I would like like 2d animation and you can kind of go like old school with the animation um that or the thing i would really like is a movie because it was originally a, a screenplay but then i converted it as a comic but if you did movie i'm very specific about how i would want that like, I don't want it to be a big budget thing. It's specifically yeah. written 
as a low budget movie. And what I mean by low budget is like no more than a million dollars. Yes, that's a lot, but when it comes to movies, that's that's, that's not a low it. budget for for a movie these days. Yeah, yeah, I, I wanted a, a low budget B movie. Um, and I, I, I don't know if this would ever be your desire for it, but I I see one more potential avenue for adaptation of the Gallows Man. Radio show is a radio show. Yeah, yeah. I guess these days a scripted podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've definitely considered that. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely down for that. That is, I would absolutely listen to a Gallows Man podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are really like the only three I I would actually like or be okay with. Um, I, I would specifically like if I had to put them in order, I would want movie or radio show or, or podcast or uh, the animated show. Hmm. Like that would be the order of ones I would want. I, I'm fine with any of those. But yeah, the the B budget movie is what I would like, because like parts of the actual story I want it to feel because because part of the comedy comes from that B budgetness. Like I want it to feel a little bit cheap. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, good luck, Oscar Isaac, and your movie that'll come out in two or three years. Yeah. Um, and, and this is no like this isn't bashing anyone because because the creative team like like good on them like they they got this this uh big ticket high level book and it'll get more eyes on their their projects and stuff they're doing yeah um but yeah it's it's another berserker scenario yeah and unfortunately, I think we're only going to see more of this moving forward. It is. Yeah, because you had the whole Keanu, Keanu Reeves Berserker thing. It did insane. I don't think there's going to be another that will do that good. Yeah. Um, but it did insane, which now, let me look up the Amelia Clark thing. Because, yeah, after that, you have Amelia Clark is working on something. You have Oscar Isaac. He's doing this. Here's the thing, though. The Amelia Clark one, I don't think that one was done with the intention of making it into a giant franchise. I think she genuinely yeah. just wanted to co-write a comic book. Yeah, let me see. Oh, I remember looking at the art of it. Yeah, it was really cool. Um it's mom. It's an acronym for Mother of Madness, and it's yeah. three issues by the look of it. Yeah, it's a three-issue miniseries. Um, I remember hearing quite a bit about it a while ago. Okay, so it's not Kickstarter. So good on you, Amelia Clark. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I think I think that one came about because she. Um, I don't think she's like a comic book nerd at all, um, but uh, she's not. She's at least not open about it if she is. Um, yeah, yeah, but like from all the things that I heard about, uh, like how that comic came about, um, it was just one of those things where she was like, Yeah, I just wanted to write a comic book, that's it. Yeah, she's she's one of the writers, yeah, yeah. So she, yeah, yeah she, she co wrote it, and like, yeah, and I think I think that's all there was to it, too, is she just she just wanted to do a comic book, and that's it. And she also had a, a fair, like, 
she had a vision in mind because it's a three issue miniseries. Each yeah. issue is 40 pages long. Yeah. So she had, it wasn't like, like with a berserker, it, it's a 12 issue thing, but like that could always change. Yeah. Berserker was so huge. That could always change. They did that. I know it's not the same, but they did that with a, a, a something's killing the children. Mm. Like, James Sinian had a specific it, it from what I've heard it seems like there was a specific ending like end point like issue 15 or 16 but it got so big and was so huge it's like no you have to keep going you have to to keep going with this yeah um and I, I could easily see Berserker turning into that because it was so huge and the um, thing is based on everything I've heard about Berserker it's basically just Eternal Warrior yeah 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 it's eternal warrior there's also something else i've i've read before that it was similar to because because the first issue is entertaining it is entertaining i've only read the first issue yeah but like that end twist of like oh he finds out and it turns out that he's like eight thousand years old yeah, like, like he was a caveman, basically. It's like, okay, I feel like I've seen this before. It wasn't a giant twist for me. It was like, okay, that'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see like where they go about with it. But wait I don't a minute, a, a caveman eight thousand years ago? That, that I don't remember. Too recent. Yeah, I don't remember if it was caveman or, or what it was exactly. He was like uh, the. It was a more uh, primitive human is what I mean. I was going to say our first civilization, or the first recorded civilization, I believe existed 10,000 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Again, more primitive like human. Like and cavemen and all that, they're pre-civilization. Well, actually, let me look it up, because I could have swore. Like, like I'm, I'm not, I, you're right, but I'm saying I could have swore it was like 8,000, and I remember him looking like a caveman. Let me see real quick. twist i don't know let me see so he's like vandal savage too then no that that was the first thing that popped in my mind when i read it i was like oh, okay this is like vandal savage who's you know, like a mercenary he's like vandal savage mixed with wolverine because like literally he can get like arms and stuff blown off and then he heals it almost like deadpool level of healing kind of see poop where's that end page i had issue one somewhere i don't know what i did with it. but yeah like for me it's like when i when i hear about something like berserker and i think like that just sounds an awful lot like eternal warrior and i think to myself like i'm already i already like eternal warrior enough like i'm already reading that so it's like why do i why would i want to read 12 issues of it but not in the valiant universe yeah yeah and it's one of those things where like I'm down if a Berserker movie comes out. Like, I'll watch it. But it's interesting like, enough, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like it, it was interesting enough to where, where I'd, I'd watch it. If they, they need to have the right uh, people on it, because it's got to be a little bit bloody, gory, grotesque, because, like, a lot happens to the guy, at least yeah. in the first issue. I'm sure it gets even more insane as it carries on. And the story's decent. It's not 
not a bad story, but ultimately it's Keanu Reeves. It's a big action book. So this will be like his next thing after the John Wick series mm. is what I'm thinking. Now here's something that annoys me about it though. If a Berserker movie comes out within the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, Cause I, you know how much I like Valiant comics. Yeah. Yeah. I talk about them all the time. Not as much as I did a while ago, but that's because I feel like I said everything I had to say about them a while ago. Anyway. Um, so for me, one thing that I really want to see in terms of adaptation, I know we've had long conversations about how adaptation isn't really necessary, but um, I, it is still something I would like to see is I would like to see a decent and functional valiant cinematic universe so that means don't let sony make another movie based on a valiant character please um, yeah bloodshot was eh. <laughs> so uh but i would love to see like a valiant cinematic universe and that does mean eternal warriors involvement um, he's one of my favorite valiant characters so one yeah. thing that annoys me is that if a berserker movie comes out first yeah they yeah. would either have to delay an Eternal Warrior movie by a long time, or if it does come out, everyone's going to be comparing it to Berserker. That's rather, the thing. Is even if the it, other way around. Even if they delay it by a decade, there's still going to be that thing of like, oh, yeah. they're just copying Berserker. They really weren't. Source material-wise, it's more like, eh, Berserker's kind of copying Eternal Warrior. Yeah. But everyone who sees the movie is going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, Eternal Warrior... Yeah, I, it, was, it was basically Berserker. Yeah. Hell, when you think about it, even Old Guard was kind of copping Eternal Warrior's thing. Yeah, yeah. And Eternal Warrior was probably copying Highlander. Yeah. Out of all yeah. of these things, Highlander's definitely the one that came first, so they're all copying Highlander. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like Eternal Warrior, that's, that's a movie I want to see. You know what I mean? But like, if Berserker comes first... I just feel like that would delay an Eternal Warrior movie by a lot because the studio wouldn't want to be like, well, we don't want to have to compete with Keanu. Yeah. Because we honestly can't. Yeah. And like, I even have in my head, I have the perfect actor for the Eternal Warrior himself in my head. I feel like Henry Cavill would make a great Gilad. Hmm. Because Gilad's got just enough of that Geralt, um, like, aloofness. Yeah, yeah. But also just enough of the Superman, I care about everyone sort of thing. Like, yeah. he's, he's this weird mix where, like, he doesn't want to get attached, but he still cares. Yeah. So, like, the, I, I like the Eternal Warrior. So, I, I feel like, uh, and I do feel like, you know, Henry Cavill... Um, could could nail a character like that he certainly got the build for it oh yeah and the thing is wouldn't even have to change his accent because gilad can just have whatever accent in my opinion we don't know what ancient mesopotamians sounded like yeah i just thought about it uh yeah berserker movie likely will come out first because i remember shortly after the comic started like there was like a netflix deal and stuff 
yeah. I think that's still that's still a thing. So we'll likely see a Berserker movie in the next like three years or so. Yeah, it's like how a uh, Miller Worlds got bought by Netflix, and they were like, "Yeah, we're going to turn all of the Miller World stuff into, into Netflix shows and movies and such." It's like they've come out with two shows so far, one of which was like immediately canceled. Yeah, yeah. and the other one's an anime show. And not and not like the usual Netflix anime series where it barely looks like anime and and you can tell it wasn't made with a Japanese audience in mind. Like Super Crooks is an actual like anime, I think, animated by a Japanese studio. Well, it seems like with Berserker, there's a film and anime series coming. Oh, awesome. yes, because because that, that's Netflix's <laughs> you know next target is like you know in fact that's culture's next target is anime. Yeah. We've we've made we've we've worked our way through comic books pretty thoroughly. Anime is next up on the docket. Yeah. And, well, hang on. Actually, no. Here's the thing: we seem to just be figuring out how to do video game adaptations properly too. So, and we haven't figured out how to do anime adaptations very well yet, though. So I feel like maybe video games are next. In, in like reality and, and then it's going to be anime because anime movies right now are in the place that video game movies were in 20 years ago you know what I mean yeah 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 and, yeah, like, and really video really. game movies started hitting that point uh, when comic book movies started getting good yeah it's true so the like nerd culture seems to be making its way through the cycles. Um, yeah. After anime, I think the next target's probably going to be podcasts. So there's going to be podcast movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. I mean, like I I just saw recently. I mean, it was probably for like a week and then it, it plummeted. But there there was some new Batman, uh, like podcast, like radio yeah. show. Thing it dethroned Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah, it, it dethroned him, and likely now it, it's probably dropped. But yeah, probably. But to me, that's like an upset in the podcast world on the level of Demon Slayer outselling One Piece. Yeah, yeah. Joe Rogan's the One Piece of podcasts. Yeah, true. <laughs> I've never listened to a single episode of it, but yeah. but that's the thing is like I didn't even know about this Batman thing until that happened me either like I, I had no idea this was a thing i've always known about joe rogan and i don't listen to so, it often but like there's some guest he has on that i like to listen to but so never do, you heard of maybe, do you think maybe warner brothers bought some listeners cooked the books because like you said like if you and i didn't hear about this batman podcast leading up to it do you think a casual listener actually heard exactly. about it? Exactly. Yeah, because because this feels more like this honestly feels like the DC animated people, like the the mo- the animated movie people. It's yeah. like it's a very niche thing. Like like you'd have a good bit like listen to it, but like I'd be extremely surprised if you had over a million listens in the first week. Yeah, this is exactly the type of thing that you and I should both have been talking about weeks leading up to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if it's going to dethrone Joe Rogan like it did, yeah, we would have been talking about it. 
but there there was like no i mean there's comic news about it but there's no news news about it there's no like 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 building up to it's what i mean like yeah you know, before it comes out there's no like crazy stuff like everyone get ready to turn on spotify and <laughs> listen to batman like and yet it dethroned the joe rogan podcast like I even heard about the Wolverine podcast like months before that released for the first time. Mm. So it's like it's it's weird to me that I didn't know this Batman thing was happening until after it dethroned Joe Rogan. Yeah, there's definitely something there. Yeah, I think maybe DC bought some listeners, or Warner but, Brothers more specifically. That's the thing; it bought listeners, but like. Yeah, I, I don't know. Warner Brothers somehow, it's not somehow, they're a big corporation, got into Spotify's pockets and, like you said, bought listeners. But, like, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, it, it is just like it's bots. It's mostly yeah. bots that, that played that. Yeah, that's it's what it seems like to me. For it to dethrone the Joe Rogan podcast, which every week, has like at least three million listeners, roughly. Like, 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 let's say, well, I won't say every week, we'll say every week, each Joe Rogan episode probably has a million listens mm-hmm. within a couple of weeks. Each episode, a million listens within a couple of weeks. And that's that's any episode. So the stronger ones where it's like a bigger guest, like Robert Downey Jr. or whatever, it'll have more. Yeah. But like, yeah, like like it only makes sense that nine hundred and ninety five thousand bots were played to listen to this Batman thing, and then like five thousand people actually did listen to it. Yeah. corporations man i can't wait to see sesame street or or i should say uh survival street uh tackle that and take down these corporations their schemes yeah man corporations and their schemes man Really makes me just want to because Sesame Street definitely isn't a part of that system at all. <laughs> but that's that's kind of the idea, man. Is we have this thing that's a part of the corporate system, we're going to play into it and and have it go against the corporate system and, when really it's, it's just making the corporate system bigger. Yeah, and tear it down from the inside because <laughs> that always works tearing something down from the inside always works it's not that you get repeatedly bombarded with the ideologies and brainwashings from the inside and then get broken down to the point that you just join in on it no man it's you gotta you gotta get in on the inside yeah getting acting like a parasite taking it down from the inside always works dang man like assimilation never happens i feel like right now in the midst of all this taking down the corporations and, and capitalism and all this stuff, we need to throw on some 
some Oasis or some U2 right now. All right, here's Wonderwall. (laughs) 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 Oh, goodness gracious. I think maybe our uh, next segment might be plugs and recommendations already. What did I do this week? Yeah, I'm trying to think what I did. Oh, no. What did I I do? I might have a couple recommendations from stuff I did like two or three months ago. I'll do that. Uh, Yeah. Um, I might have to do some like personal digging. I can't think of anything. Oh, geez. I didn't watch any movie. I was going to watch a Ghibli movie this week and I didn't. Uh, I'm trying to think. Like, I think Doctor Strange was the last thing I actually like watched or, or did or anything like that oh so nothing nothing since then really oh uh, man dig, dig deep oh geez oh geez rick oh i forgot to mention uh uh like writers of the rick and morty comics they're doing that sesame street book oh okay cool yeah Interesting. I'm right now. I'm kind of looking through YouTube, seeing like, is there any are there any videos I watched lately? <laughs> like, have I seen any videos I can recommend? Uh, uh, whatever that that channel is. Ah, what the heck is that YouTube channel? Oh man, I don't know that one. That YouTube it, channel. It, it it was that one. Like like you turned me on to it. It was the the. You sent me a video. It was that Pokemon one, and then from there, I I went through and watched like almost all of their videos. Uh, Pokemon one. Be. Uh, you'll have to be more specific. It was what, like uh, was the one where like Professor Oak was having a stroke. It, it was the rival, like uh, uh, it wasn't like he he. He couldn't. Oh, he couldn't remember like the rival's name. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I think you're talking about Solid JJ. Is that the YouTube channel? That's it. Solid JJ. He yeah, does, yeah. yeah, he does a lot of just like meme videos, like about the Beatles and the Justice yeah, League. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the best one I've seen. Hold on, let me find it, just so I get the name right. Shut up, Ringo. Where is it? Make sure I get the name right. Scroll down, stupid laptop. Let's see. Come on. Oh, uh, well, no, that's not it. <laughs> I thought I saw it. I'm wrong. Uh, it's some sort of Scooby-Doo one. Oh, right. Um, a trailer for uh, the third season of The Boys came out today, I guess. Oh, really? And uh, Yeah, and I don't care actually <laughs> well that was the thing was like i remember that animated uh, uh boys show like back a month or two ago like yeah. hearing about that i was like oh yeah. i can't wait to watch that i haven't watched it <laughs> like, yeah. I haven't, like really not not cared to watch it it's just like yeah it's not a priority yeah you know, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to to watching season three of the boys, but yeah, like when it comes to a trailer, it's like yeah, like 
I don't know if I really need to see a trailer. Like I, I, I have a kind of a feel of where the show will go in season three, and I'm looking forward to seeing that. So I don't know if I need to see a trailer of that. Yeah, well, for me, it's more that um, I don't know that I care enough about the boys as a franchise anymore to watch the third season. Oh, I got you. Like from I've I've gotten to a point. Yeah, it was it was kind of fun and you know edgy for the first season. Season two, it just kind of felt like more of the same, honestly. And now that I think about season three, and like I've had like what has it been like two years to to, yeah, so, yeah. to look back on it, and it's like thinking about it more and more, and I'm like, yeah, you know. I don't, I don't care, cause like I, I see what the boys is, and I see what it does, and it's like, and I think about its roots and who created it, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and it's, it is no secret to anyone who listens to this podcast. I don't care much for Garth Ennis, um, and it's just, it's, it's one of those things. Where it's like, yeah, like I just, I really just don't um, care. I just don't want to go back. The boys' yeah. world is so viscerally unpleasant yeah and and i was i was thinking about this uh maybe a month or so ago because i was talking with someone about the boys um like before covid like like the boys i mean like it's still good but like with covid as well as just all kinds of stuff happening like it we're just seeing more and more like dark and just sad and depressing stuff happening in our world to where we don't want to just keep watching the shows and movies that have dark and depressing and sad stuff. Cause it's like, ah, we're, we're already dealing with that. Like the reason I go to the movies is a lot of time it's escapism. Now there can be some sad and depressing movies I watch, but again, the reason I go, it's ultimately escapism. Yeah. Yeah. Like since it's crazy to me how much has happened um, but like since the end of the boys season two, and this is just speaking in terms of TV shows I've watched, not even like actual life happening. Yeah. But, but since the second season of the boys ended, we've had uh, two parts of the final season of Attack on Titan aired in full. Um, the final season of Castlevania, the first season of Arcane, um, like all of these things, uh, Invincible. We got yeah, the first season yeah. of Invincible. Uh, the Legend of Vox Machina. All of these shows are edgy or dark in some regard, but none of them are like oppressively or disgustingly so. I was going to say, yeah, because I'm thinking about it now, like before watching Invincible, The Boys kind of was where I got that like edgy, dark superhero stuff. But with Invincible, I like it more because it does have that as the the gruesomeness with it but it also it doesn't pull a a, a garth ennis and hate superheroes yeah well here's the here's the thing about um the i i realized what makes invincible so different and overall so much better than all these other superhero deconstructions now looking back at it you look at the watchmen you look at the boys you look at all these like deconstructive superhero movies shows and comics and you see that they're all made by people who hate superheroes 
Yeah. And and yeah. then you look at Invincible, also a deconstruction of the superhero genre. But you can tell that Robert Kirkman loves superheroes. Yeah. It's what makes Invincible so much better and so good is the deconstruction of the genre by someone who actually cares about it. Yeah, yeah. And and to me, it's like that is always going to place Invincible head and shoulders above all of the others of its kind um, in terms of quality. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, like when we have Invincible, it's like, why do I need the boys? I'm I'm getting sure. my I'm getting my dark edgy superhero stuff, and also the superheroes aren't like irredeemable, gross monsters. Yeah. It's like I I already acknowledge uh, that like you know celebrity culture and politicians and all that like all these people with money and power are horrible people. Yeah. Uh, I like I don't need to watch that play out through a superhero metaphor in the boys. Yeah, yeah. To, to, so like I'm 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 getting my dark edgy superheroes through Invincible, and it's still at least got some optimism to it. Yeah, yeah, true. And I also think like since the boys, there has been not not just like with the dark and, and edgy stuff and deconstruction of superheroes, but like the, the more graphic superhero stuff, like live action stuff before yeah. the boys, there wasn't a ton, but since the boys, there's been decent, like with the suicide squad, yeah. um, all of DC's shows that they've, they've uh, put out on HBO and all that. Like uh Yeah, where where Robin wants to F Batman for some reason. I don't know if in the middle of an alleyway. But... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't I can't I can no longer defend Titans because I jumped off of it like early in season two. Yeah. But I mean like Doom Patrol has has a lot of that weird and dark stuff. It's more of a weird fun show. Yeah. But stuff like Peacemaker is like very like Yeah it's funny it's a it's a comedy but it, it is like dark and a little bit edgy and stuff and, so and like, there's a um there's a netflix show out right now let me actually uh pull it up real quick so i can remember the name there's a netflix show that's uh um it's what am i thinking right now where 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 is my brain um it's guardians of something guardians of justice i think is what it's oh, called. yeah yeah, yeah. You, you it's see. like a it's like a schlocky like b-movie superhero thing yeah yeah i watch i watched the first few episodes of it it's not bad yeah it's it's and it's it's funny and interesting and like i like it i haven't yeah, seen it yet but um, i like it and i see what they're going with it and and ultimately you i love that they have that style but I think the style, because there's just so much happening all at once. Like there's all yeah. always different edits and stuff. There's almost like too much style over substance. Yeah, yeah, that can get pretty distracting. But I, I love that they went with that style. I just think they they could tone it down a little bit, or or just not have as many crazy, insane edits happen every like three seconds. 
Yeah, but in my opinion, it makes a viable alternative to the boys. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it feels very different. So yeah, I, I'll I'll definitely give it that. But yeah, like overall, I just like with the with the boys, I just don't care anymore. Maybe it's because it's been so long, and maybe it's because I've just been looking back on it, thinking like, why did I enjoy it in the first place? Because I can't come up with why. Uh, it's just I just I don't I don't care. Yeah, yeah. It's very rare for me to just drop a show. Usually, when I'm in on a show, I'm I will see it through for as long as I possibly can. But with the boys, it's like, yeah, I just I genuinely just don't care anymore. Yeah, I'll I'll probably still check it out. I I don't care as much anymore just because so much time has passed and we've gotten a lot of shows that kind of feel that that uh, that that space. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll I'll check it out, but yeah, it is one of those things where so much time has passed and we have that where I'm not like I'm not hyped or anything for it. Like I'll watch it, but that's about it. And not saying it's going to be bad. I, I probably will enjoy it. It's just I have no, I don't have much hype going into it. Yeah. Netflix is, uh, why is Netflix always coming out with something? I feel like every time I look at it, there's a new thing. Yeah. And it's weird because I thought, I mean, Netflix still is in insane debt, but I guess they're just like, let's, let's keep going. Eventually, uh, maybe something will happen. And, like, the weird thing is, no matter how interested in a thing I am on Netflix, I always reach a point, like, towards the end of its first season or whatever, where I'm like, eh, I'm good. And I stop watching for some reason. It's like, because, like, I'm looking at a thing right now called Vampire in the Garden. It's a new anime that I guess just released on Netflix, um, as far as I know, within the past 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it looks interesting, but like at the same time, I don't want to start watching it because I'm just going to drop it like I do with everything else on Netflix. That's the thing is like... There, there were two shows from last year that held my attention from Netflix that were Inside Job and Arcane, and that's it. Yeah, I haven't watched hardly anything on Netflix like the past year. Like the, the thing I remember, I think probably most recent thing I watched on Netflix was a few episodes of that guardian show a couple months ago. Yeah. But like if I'm watching a streaming service, it's like Hulu or HBO max. I can't even say Disney plus cause I only watch the Marvel shows. Yeah. 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 Same. I only watch Disney plus for the Marvel shows and the star Wars shows I care about. Um, yeah. But like, yeah. And, and like Hulu, um, I just finished Futurama not too long ago on Hulu and I'm finally uh, working, like finishing up the last couple seasons of King of the Hill. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that's that's mostly what I use Hulu for. Is just all the all all the stuff on regular TV is what Hulu is for for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hulu has like pretty much almost all the the old cable shows. Yeah. Yeah, like okay, hang on. No, there is there is one other show on Netflix that held my attention. It's called Kotaro Lives Alone. I think I talked about it before. Oh yeah, yeah. I I watched uh, first episode of it. I've been meaning to get into the second. Like I watched it with my sister, and I was into it. And then she was like, kind of not into it. But yeah. I got her watching. No one's even punching each other. Do what? No one's even punching each other. 
<laughs> no, it's not even that. She, I thought that's how she was, but no, she doesn't really care for action and stuff because she hasn't finished the Matrix. Um, yeah, I don't know. She's, it's weird. She's an enigma. Like, I think she likes something. I, I think she'll like something. Then she watches it. I'm like, huh, out of everything I've seen you watch, I thought you would like that. It's so you see, my, my sister's the same way. There's only one guarantee with her. If I like it, she won't. Mm. So I have a, but like you so said there are things that I'll find that I think she might like and it'll be like hey you might like this and she's like this is bad it's like yeah. okay you and I yeah. have nothing to talk about then I guess the number one <laughs> guarantee I do have with my sister is if it has Tom Holland in it she'll watch it oh okay you've at least got that to go on then yeah. I don't even have something that simple to go on with my sister I can't recommend anything to her Oh, I gotcha. Because I just, I don't know. I, I just, I don't, I don't understand her. I don't get it. I don't get her brain. There's something wrong with it, probably. <laughs> oh, okay. Another thing that held my attention uh, last year from Netflix, and super late last year. In fact, I might be misremembering. It's probably from early this year. Uh, Oh, wait, no, it's not even from last year. It's from 2020 now that I'm looking at it. Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun. Hmm. But I like Auntie Donna in general. So they're a Australian comedy troupe. Oh, I gotcha. Um, and they, they uh, have a Netflix show that started in 2020. Hmm. Yeah, they're weird. I recommend that. That's one of my recommendations. Hey, everybody, watch Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun. There we go. And also, uh, I think you should leave. And also, uh, Love, Death, and Robots, which that's a third season I do care about. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually looking forward to that, especially since, like, I, I like, I kind of like those announcements where it's not like they they announce it over a year before it comes out and like you either build up too much hype to where once it's starting to get there, you're like, I no longer really have that much hype. But with this, like, like you had told me and they kind of big announced it like a month ago. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Weeks ago. Oh yeah. 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 So like even less than that to where like, it's like, okay we're telling you a few weeks before it comes out. So you won't lose interest or lose hype by the time it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Netflix has really started to get a sense of what I'm into now because uh, it's, it's only on Netflix recommendations thing is like front loaded with like the very first thing it's showing me is the Witcher nightmare of the wolf, Mm. which I haven't watched the Witcher yet but I'm interested in that Nightmare of the Wolf movie because it's animated. Uh, and it looks really good. Like, the, the visuals are really good looking. It's very Castlevania-esque. Yeah. But yeah, it just, it just has a bunch of shows I already watched <laughs> right up front for me. Yeah. Oh, here's another one. Centaur World. Watch Centaur World, everybody. That's another recommendation.
Centaur World is awesome. I know I'm kind of skipping the order, but whatever. Today's a weird day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Speaking of, so you mentioned announcing something like a year in advance, right? Yeah. So something that's really annoying me is that the Dragon Prince on Netflix has had like, it's official, another volume is coming for, uh, on its page for like half a year. And they haven't released like and, a date? And it hasn't come out yet. Like the Like the third season came out in 2019. It's been three years. This is a kid's show. The children who watch this have been growing up already. It's like, it's yeah. really good. So I can see them all coming back no matter what age they are. Cause this is very much a, uh, one of those sorts of shows. Like it's just that yeah, level yeah. of quality where like you could have started watching it when you were 10. Um, and if a new season doesn't come out till you're 13, you're, you're probably still going to be pulled back to it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but still it's like, like when is it coming out i mean i I understand they need to work on it and they need to work on it as long as they need to work on it so that it's good but also like when's it coming out yeah maybe (laughs) at least say like like, it would have been better if had you not announced that at all until you knew when it was going to be ready yeah yeah that honestly makes more sense because if you're going to do that at least announce a year it will come out don't do it i know they, they need to hold the interest of the viewers is like if viewers don't think another season's coming then they're not going to stay interested but still it's like it's it's a weird balancing act i get it yeah yeah it takes time but at least yeah if you're if you're going to have that on the thing of like hey it's it's coming like at the very least i feel like you can have the year it will come out yeah and it was it was co-created by um aaron ihaz I think is how you pronounce his name, which he's he was one of the like main writers on Avatar: The Last Airbender, mm. um, and he is he's one of those writers who like he wrote all of the episodes everybody thinks about when they think of that show. Like I'm pretty sure he wrote Zuko alone and Tales of Ba Sing Se. Oh, okay. Uh, if if I'm not mistaken, like those are two of the most iconic episodes from the second season. Um, so like yeah, like he's he's the one of the co-creators and I assume producers and writers for the Dragon Prince. And it's very good, and it has you you can feel a lot of that Last Airbender DNA in it. It's got a very similar world. It's just instead of being inspired by Eastern fantasy, it's more it leans more into Western fantasy. Yeah. Um. And uh, but yeah, like you, you know, I you can feel the lineage there. Like they even have um, Jack Decina, the voice actor for Sokka, doing the voice of one of the main characters in this show. And like there was one awesome joke in one, I don't even remember which season it was in, but like he's riding on the back of a giant creature through a desert and like he's just sitting there and like he sees a weapon in like the, the giant saddle he's sitting in and he's getting closer to it and it's shaped like a boomerang. So as he's getting closer to it, he's like, a boomerang? <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's that's funny to me. I like that. Yeah. I, I, that's that's fan that's fan service specifically. Like, I could show this show to my child in the future, and they're not going to get that unless I show them the Last Airbender first. Yeah, yeah. But like for like that's one of those jokes. Where like that's for us. That's for everyone in our generation. Yeah. That one's not for the children watching Dragon Prince for the first time. That's 
that's for the adults who grew up with its with one of its predecessors. Yeah. But yeah, Dragon Prince, that's a good show. I like that show. I want there to be the fourth season already. The third season ended with such a crazy cliffhanger. Why? Why must my children's cartoons take so long? (laughs) (laughs) Why do I have to wait so long for new episodes of this children's cartoon I got way too invested in? (laughs) Because it's got such a cool world and it's so well thought out. Like, the magic system is really well-defined, and the politics are really well-defined. I just like it. Every now and then, they look at their emails, they're like, ah, oh, it's Tio again. He's emailing us. <laughs> it, just, it just says, where is it? Here we go. Another alternative to the boys if you like being bored is Jupiter's Legacy. Yeah, I never watched it because it was like, it was, I mean, we're we're in a very saturated superhero market as it is, but during that time that it came out, there was a bunch of superhero stuff. That came oh, out. yeah. Because, yeah. like, I think this one came out, like, right in step with Invincible. Like, yeah, right and there was also... Yeah, there was also something else. There was likely like a Marvel show at the time, like a uh, Falcon Winter Soldier or something. Yeah, I th- I think Invincible, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Jupiter's Legacy all released within like two months of each other. Yeah, and it's just like between those three, Jupiter's Legacy was the was going to be the obvious loser for a few reasons. Yeah, um, yeah, and one of those reasons is that because I watched the whole thing in one day, um, so like one of those reasons is just that it was kind of boring. Mm. and like here's the thing though it wasn't completely boring it wasn't 100% boring um, yeah. normally I hate flashbacks in TV shows like of any kind for any reason and I don't know why I'm that way I just think you should start a story where it starts um, yeah. but like with Jupiter's Legacy I was looking forward to the flashbacks because the present day stuff was so boring and so predictable I didn't care but the flashbacks were interesting. I wanted to know the story of like how did all of these old superheroes get their powers, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Like I was not invested that I, in that story, but not in the present day one. Not that I didn't like uh seasons one and two of Arrow and then a little bit of season three. But when it came to those, I really wanted to see the flashback stuff. Hmm. Like, cause I, I cared I cared a decent bit about like the story that was going on in the present time, but I wanted to see like, I want to see the falling out of, of Ollie and Slade. I want to see that progression. That's what I I want to see. Yeah. Yeah. And Arrow, the first couple seasons found a way to keep that interesting. But then as soon as like, I think it was season three is where this storyline came along where it's like, as soon as they introduced the idea that he wasn't on the island the whole time, yeah, he's like, okay, he's that's like, a little ridiculous. Yeah, he's in like Hong Kong or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's like, I get it, you need to introduce Katana somehow, but still. Yeah. yeah, that's that's where it started to lose me. But I agree, the first two seasons were interesting enough. Like, looking back on Arrow now, it's like, it's a CW show. Yeah, yeah, that's but the thing. At like, the time when I was watching it, and it was still new. Exactly. Um, yeah. 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 We didn't have 
as much or a lot of superhero stuff to where like you watch and it's like hey like it's not crap and, and even if you watch it today at least those first couple seasons it's not going to be crap but since there wasn't a ton of stuff at the time you're like oh yeah this is this is good this is pretty yeah, good. We, yeah we just didn't have the options at the time yeah And, uh, and the thing is, like, the CW's DC shows were doing things um, that, like, no other, like, network or cable thing, I don't know what the difference is, was doing, um, where they were maintaining a functional and, like, well-paced and, like, internally consistent shared superhero universe um, across multiple shows that all aired at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I think they all, after a while, it got to a point where they had enough where they could all air on different days of the week. But it's like, yeah, like if you watch this episode of like Arrow on Tuesday, then like the following episode of The Flash on Wednesday or whenever it is would be after it or yeah. at the same time as it. And like, you, like if you're towards the end of the season of The Flash, that takes place towards the end of the season of Arrow. And you can tell based on like, if there are any guest appearances, the sorts of costumes the characters are wearing. Yeah. Yeah. Like to me, that was interesting that like they actually managed to schedule that well and maintain it. Yeah. Yeah. Starting out. Which had to be difficult to do. Oh yeah. Yeah. Starting out was pretty good and pretty cool and exciting, but, nowadays it's a it's a whole different story because yeah like they they within the past year have canceled four of their shows they canceled batwoman uh black lightning i'm surprised Um, batwoman didn't get canceled earlier oh yeah yeah but but black lightning uh naomi only had one season it got canceled and then surprisingly supergirl got canceled Mm. i was actually a little bit surprised about that one yeah. And you see, the thing is, um, the CW is very cutthroat with uh, how it handles cancellations. Like if, if a show is dropping even a little bit, like they're going to they're going to completely cut it. Like the CW kind of makes me think of a, it's it's like America's Shonen Jump where like you got, yeah, you got yeah. one season to keep everybody interested. And if you can't, it's gone. It doesn't matter how that's. Yeah, yeah got, that's a good point because of, of 25 episodes. That's a good point because when they pulled those, um, they did announce a CW show. I can't remember what it was. So yeah, yeah like oh, here's our, our fill in for that Naomi show. Yeah, the CW was constantly canceling and announcing new shows to like canceling older shows and then announcing new shows to immediately take the place of the ones that got canceled. Like they yeah. always need the time slot filled. Yeah, yeah. The ship must have a captain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the fly, the flying Dutchman needs a captain. <laughs> um, all right, since we're doing things weirdly out of order, did you have any like recommendations at all? And then we'll just do plugs to end it off. Uh yeah, I do. Let me plug in my phone i have a feeling oh that's your first plug all right that's that's yeah. brendan's plug for the week is plugging in his phone he's, we'll not, allowed, if, he's uh, not allowed to talk about his comic books now 
if my voice goes quiet after I plug it in, we might have to start a new one because I've noticed that might have something to do with the voice quiet thing every now and then. All right. Let me see. All right. Is the charger working? Okay. Can you hear me? Up oh, on the. No, charger. I can't hear you. You're gone. I. You're not even coming through at all. I can't hear you. Yes, I can hear you. Okay. There we go. Yeah, my charger. I had to replug it. Um, oh, no. Why does it keep saying check charger? Stop it. Uh-oh. It's working. Don't say it's not. All right. Hey, it didn't pop up this time. Good. Um, all right. Uh, or recommendations. Um, hmm. Okay. I, I do have a couple. It's comics hey everyone i haven't given a comic review or a comic recommendation in quite a while yeah um uh i got two i'll I'll do the lesser and then the the better both are really good but um the first one i'll do is the dollhouse family it was uh it was a part of the the hill house oh gosh i had some gas getting a little burpy um oh it was a part of the Hill House comics line that DC uh, did. I don't think they're still doing it. Whereas, like, Joe Hill's, like, horror imprint. Uh, he didn't write all the books, but he wrote, like, at least a third of them. Yeah. Um, but the Dollhouse family, it is pretty good. Um, I still like Basket Full of Heads the most out of this, this comic line. But Dollhouse family's right there. It, it's It's... It's near it. It's right below it. Um, it basically follows like this this regular family, not a dollhouse family, a regular family. And essentially, there's this dollhouse that this little girl gets like she it's inherited to her by like her her, her grandmother, great grandmother, whatever. And it has some weirdness going on. Now, that, that sounds like a typical thing. That sounds like a Goosebumps episode. That sounds like something you've seen in, like, the Twilight Zone or whatever. But believe me, this is a very different, like, doll and dollhouse horror story. Like, I, I, I really enjoyed this one and, like, how, how there's, like, a legacy with it. Because it, it'll go, it'll do flashbacks here and there. It'll go back to, like late 1800s or or mid 1800s and kind of show like how this dollhouse came about and how it got tied to this family and how it's kind of like a curse for this family Mm. um it's really interesting to see how it all culminates um i highly recommend it very creepy stuff within it uh does the doll and doll dollhouse horror and scary stuff a lot different um again we we have talked about this before like you don't have to have like an adaptation of stuff but like i would like to see these hill house books get movies or something because they're really good like each one is like five to six issues total so it, it is basically the length of what a movie would be yeah um I would like to see Basketful of Heads get a movie before this, but this would also be a really good movie. Um, don't have to see it, but 
I wouldn't mind those coming out and then more people putting their eyes on the original source material because I feel like these Hill House books, there is a fandom for them, but they don't have the amount of love that they should because they're some of the best horror books I've seen in the modern comic landscape. Um, so yeah, the Dollhouse family, highly recommend that. And then my last recommendation, uh, Jeff Lemire book, Surprise Everyone. He reads Jeff Lemire. Not really. What a shocker. Not that surprising. <laughs> but uh, so this is like my probably 12th Jeff Lemire title I've read. Uh, Essex County. It's one of his like his classics that, that people go to. Um, really good. It's a really good book. It, it follows three different stories. Like there's three different stories throughout, but they're all taking place within a specific county within Essex County. And like, sometimes they'll, they'll like tie into each other here and there, but not, it's not by much, but, but it, it does show that it's all in the same universe. It's all within the same, like, district the same county basically um really good it follows this guy it's like an elderly guy and he he's like in his 70s or 80s and he has like dementia and and various stuff going on and and it just kind of follows his reflection of his life his reflection of his life and and his interactions and reflections with his brother um it's jeff lemire he's got a he's he's king of family and he has to write family stuff i i recommend he continue doing that i um, want to see jeff lemire and vin diesel in the ring <laughs> fighting it out for the title of the king of family yeah <laughs> yeah that's the thing is uh vin diesel will try to use like uh muscle and strength and and his bruteness to like try to punch him and stuff and jeff lemire will like he'll like uh uh, grant morrison like write himself like away (laughs) like like he he's a he's a he's a being that's like looking down on this story and he's like oh but i i wrote myself to teleport over here or i wrote myself also jeff lemire will write a paradox saying like hey vin diesel you were bloodshot right and vin diesel's like yeah and lemire will be like i wrote the single greatest multi-year run of that series that anyone's ever read and vin diesel's like what and he's like i created you what <laughs> no that's right i wrote bloodshot reborn and bloodshot salvation and bloodshot usa Uh, but yeah, it, the first story within Essex County follows this elderly guy reminiscing and yeah, uh, his relationship with his brother, how he had a good relationship and it just kind of died out. And, and they were both like hockey players. Like they played in like semi, semi pro uh, hockey leagues and stuff. Of course, and Canadian like, writers got to write about exactly, hockey. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but how they kind of grew out of that and his brother, like, kind of became a family man and and did well but he didn't really do too much with his life after the whole hockey thing and uh 
it just kind of goes from there and you, you kind of see how their relationship grows and kind of falls apart here and there and then reconnections and stuff. And you also see like the differences in their life. Like this guy, his, his brother, whenever uh, their mom passed away or, or their parents passed away, his brother goes and lives on the farm that they grew up on. Like he, he, he maintains the land that, that the dad or the mom had. Like he, he tries to keep that legacy going, that farm that they had. And the guy we're following, like he doesn't really focus or, or, or have any care for that. And, and that kind of wanes on their relationship some. Um, that's a really good story. That takes up about half the book. That's the longest story within Essex County, the collection. Um, really good story. Then it follows uh, a little boy who's into superhero comics and all this stuff. Like he's, he's huge into superhero comics and um, his mom passed away. She had some sort of cancer and now his uncle, the mom's brother is raising him. And it's been about a year since the mom's passed and, and the little boy, he, he often is wearing like superhero clothes. Like he's wearing like a domino mask. He's wearing like a cape and stuff. Yeah. Um, and the uncle's fairly reasonable because uncle, he, he's trying the best he can. Like he, he never really wanted a kid, but he promised his sister that he would take care of her son. Um, he's trying the best he can. He's again, uh, uh, rural Canada area. He's a farmer, and so the little boy is on his his uh, his his farmhouse and his farmland. And uh, just seeing that relationship between them is really interesting. And then eventually, the little boy meets a a a guy who works at a convenience store, and the guy was a a former hockey player like he played in a semi-professional league um he could have went pro but then an accident happened and he wasn't able to and they kind of grow like a friendship and uh uh yeah it's just really interesting seeing just regular stories regular like human stuff nothing crazy is going on but it's written very well because it's jeff lemire and then uh, the last story is it follows a nurse. And it's actually the nurse of the old guy from the, the story I'd mentioned before. It follows like her, her life stuff. And it's really good. But Essex County, I highly recommend it. Of the dozen Jeff Lemire titles I've read so far, this would probably rank like number three for me. I, I like Descender. I think Descender's still my number one. Uh, Sweet Tooth, I think I'd put it number two. And then Essex County, I'd probably third put it as like my number three of Jeff Lemire books I've read. But yeah, highly recommend it. All righty then. Yeah, I've been I've been poking around on Netflix a little bit while I've been listening to you. And uh, so something that me and Clay are planning on doing pretty soon. Well, not pretty soon once we're finished watching the, sh the animes that we're watching right now together yeah yeah we're gonna try and work our way through the big three uh, which, um, yeah. for anyone who doesn't know 
is uh, One Piece, Naruto, and Bleach. Um, and I'm trying to find ways to cut the runtime for some of them. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, One Piece has several movies and uh, TV specials that condense its storyline into like, you know, movie length features. Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying, I've been watching through a couple of them to see if they make sufficient substitutes for just watching the show. Um, so, like, I watched one that's like an adaptation of the East Blue saga, which to me, that one Im- omits just a little too much information to be uh, like a substantial replacement. Yeah. And then I also started watching uh, a one that is an adaptation of the Skypea arc, which to me, that one also omits some important details that means I can't justify using it as a replacement. Um, however, looking on Netflix now, because uh, those two are both on Funimation, but now I'm looking on Netflix because Netflix is apparently working on like a One Piece live action adaptation that we don't need. Um, which means they have like the licensing rights to One Piece for a lot of stuff now. Um, oh. So they have a bunch of One Piece movies on here now, uh, two of which are adaptations of chunks of the Baroque Works saga, one of which is the arc where Chopper joins the crew, and the other one is the arc where uh, they actually finally made it to the desert country of Alabasta and fought Crocodile. Um and so I'm going to watch those two uh, next uh, to see if either of those will make sufficient replacements for those arcs. Because again, I'm just trying to find ways to shave time off, especially one piece. Yeah. Because like with Bleach, we don't need new ways to shave time off of Bleach. We're skipping more than a third of that show overall because of how much filler it has. Yeah. Do, do you want to? Do you want to know what's ridiculous about Bleach and its like filler count? What is it? So currently, I know Bleach is getting continuation later this year, but currently, Bleach sits at a total of 366 episodes. 163 of those are filler episodes. Daggone. That is well over a third of Bleach's total runtime. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Me and my dad ran the math on that because I was telling him about this plan. Me and my dad ran the math on that together. We're cutting four days of watch time out of Bleach. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's that's good for us. Bleach is definitely the one that's going to be finished first. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Naruto. Uh, like, we're cutting a lot out of Naruto. Not nearly as much percentage-wise as Bleach. But, uh, but yeah, we're still cutting a lot out of Naruto. And then for yeah. One Piece, unfortunately, One Piece handles its filler very differently. So... Uh. That one's runtime is still going to be quite long, even with cutting out total filler episodes. Mm. Which is why I'm trying to see if movies will help us cut down the runtime. Yeah, yeah. So, so I've been scouting them out. But again, there's so many small details in One Piece where it's like, if you condense some of it to a movie, uh, like, some important details might be lost. Like, for example... In the, in the one that adapts the East Blue Saga, their whole first fight with Buggy is cut out of that. Like, you can't just cut Buggy the Clown out of the East Blue Saga. That's their first, like, real rival. Mm. 
he's the only he, he's one of yeah he's one of two villains from the east blue saga who actually carries over into the grand line i, I know a lot of this doesn't mean much to you because you don't read or watch one piece but um i i, I know i had that whole Tio explains one piece thing like two years ago but uh um but yeah like the the thing about the East Blue Saga is like if you don't, uh, if you don't have like the the first fight with Buggy in there, you're cutting like a huge character introduction out. Um, and then like for the Skypea Saga, that's another one where they didn't have Luffy's first conversation with Blackbeard in in the movie adaptation. It's like you can't cut that out because that's Blackbeard's character introduction. And Blackbeard yeah. is very clearly being built up as like the final boss of One Piece. So like you can't cut Luffy's first conversation with Blackbeard out because it wasn't a fight when Luffy met Blackbeard. In fact, their first uh, conversation was very friendly. Um, like Luffy and Blackbeard basically spent that conversation, um, kind of affirming each other's uh, dreams and pursuits. Um. And then, you know, the next time the two of them meet each other, they're bitter enemies. But anyway, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, but yeah, it's one of those things where like, yeah, Blackbeard's uh, character introduction, that's important, no matter how small it seemed at the time. Um, so you can't just cut that out of the Skypea arc. So like, I'm, I'm going to watch these other two to see if uh, anything important's cut out. And you see, the thing is, the arc where Chopper was introduced wasn't even very long. I can absolutely see them communicating every important piece of information in two hours. Oh, uh, yeah. Because it's a two-hour movie looking at the runtime here, so it's like, they can absolutely do that. They can get that done in two hours. Yeah. Now, doing the Alabasta arc, which is a part of the same overall saga, in an hour and a half seems a little less doable. Again, it all depends on how they handle it. I'm just going to see. I'm going to see if there are any important character intros that are cut out. Because the Alabasta arc is the one where Luffy's brother Ace was introduced. And that's absolutely an, like one of the most important character introductions in the entire series. <laughs> because Luffy's brother Ace, like his relationship to his brother, is the whole reason he and Blackbeard became enemies in the first place. Because Blackbeard's the one who captured Ace and turned him over to the government. So, like, if Blackbeard hadn't hunted Ace down and turned him over to the government, I don't think Luffy would ever have considered Blackbeard an enemy. Mm. But because that happened, now Blackbeard is, like, Luffy's most bitter nemesis. And not even totally because of the Ace thing, either. Everything that's happened since is just kind of reinforced their rivalry with each other and they haven't even interacted that much over the course of this now 1020 episode series Luffy and Blackbeard have come face to face with each other I think three times in the show's entire run but that three times is enough to establish such an interesting dynamic between the two of them that it's like you can't help but see Blackbeard as Luffy's opposite number yeah so uh, I just, I, I didn't mean to get off on a whole One Piece tangent. That's not what this was supposed to be. Anyway, yeah, movies. Me and Clay might be able to use movies to cut our runtime on One Piece down. We'll see. I'll let you know how that goes in the future. 
three years later. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's going to take us forever. Anyway, um, Brandon, uh, plug your stuff. Uh, Disney Comics. It's D-I-S-M-A-Y Comics. You can find it on Facebook and Instagram. Working on uh, various indie comics and stuff. By the time you're listening to this, the Gallows Man 1 and 2 Kickstarter is over. You missed the boat. But there will be another boat like a year from now. So maybe jump on that boat. Yeah. You're, you're shipwrecked for a year. Survive for a year. You can jump on the boat that will come a year from now. It was supposed to be a three-hour tour. <laughs> a three-hour tour. But, uh, yeah. Got that. And then uh, Disney Avenue 1 and 2. I hope to get that out on Kickstarter uh, during the fall time. But uh, that's, that's mostly what I'm working on. And you can follow along with that. By following Disney Comics. Alrighty. And then uh, as for me, you're already listening to my plug, Storebrand Comics. Congratulations, you found us. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, this is just a hobby podcast that me and Brandon try to do every week. This week was a little weird. We went a little against formula today. Especially towards the end. But uh, we were just kind of in a weird mood, I guess. I was, at least. I know that. But uh, thank you very much for listening. And if you want to keep track of us, we don't really have a consistent day right now that we upload on. We try to focus on weekends between Friday and Monday. So if you want to you know, keep track of when we upload more easily, um, go ahead and hit whatever subscribe or follow button is on your podcast app of choice. And it should regularly notify you when we have new episodes out. But uh, other than that, I do think that is it for us for the week. So uh, I have been Tio. And I've been Brandon. And now we are not, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care.